Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 538 on Tuesday, the 15th of August, 2023. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And in the news, we'll be getting very close to consumer advice a number of times. In new new car news, we talk about a car we wonder if it will ever actually be. And in points of interest, we are reminded of good manners in these modern times. First, though, we have a follow-up. We have three bits of follow-up. So I will start with the first one and possibly the most nuts and daft one of the lot. And it's the we thought was dead saga of British Vault, but it is not, because the buyer who came in to rescue the defunct company has failed to make the final payment. Recharge Industries have not paid the $8.57 million, which is in default of the contract, says the administrator. If we remember, Recharge Industries had been raided in Australia by tax police, so they may have been a little bit distracted by things. Pretty shocking. Uh, sorry, no pun intended. Gee whiz. I didn't, I didn't actually mean that. Or the gee whiz. <laughs> oh, oh we're off to a good start this week, ladies and gentlemen. Oh boy, it's only can only go downhill from here. Uh, so yeah, I mean they, from pretty much it was like, yay, there's a buyer, and then everybody looked at the buyer and went, ooh, buyer. Mm. Yeah, but everybody looked at what the buyer then said, which was, yeah, we are going to do batteries, not just for cars though. And everybody started to go, oh, hang on, yeah, it's a little bit weird. And then found out that they were going to do exactly the same thing the other side of the planet at the same time, mm. requiring as, as much money as they did. So they want double the investment, double the projects, double the complexity, mm-hmm. and then they got raided. That was always going to go well. Yes, exactly. But I think that sums British Vault, the whole saga of British Vault, up perfectly. It's just how to do it wrong, really. And yeah, fantasy, and, and someone at some point will have made. An awful lot of money. Mm. Next piece of follow-up. Uh, we talked the other week about Tesla range estimates and how they may not be as... They always seem to err towards the, hey, here's the most that's possible range, as opposed to the more guarded approach, I think, that the other manufacturers make, where they say, well, actually, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll slightly under... Yeah. We'll slightly underquote because we'd rather that drivers were pleasant and owners were pleasantly surprised rather than the other way around. Uh, it's been pointed out a sort of slightly, it's quite a nice balance piece, actually, mm. by Joey Caparella on Car and Driver. And it's saying that, well, actually, it might not really be rigging. It could just be a very, very simplistic piece of mathematics going on in the background, which takes the state of charge of the battery and multiplies it by, or divides it by the EPA range, or divides the EPA range by that. Mm. Now, of course, the EPA range itself has been calculated on a formula, so it doesn't necessarily have, as far as Tesla is concerned, so it doesn't necessarily conform to actual real-life driving thing, driving... Conditions or... Driving conditions. Conditions is a word I'm looking for. As a result, it is far more theoretical than others, but it's not... And linear. And linear, but it's not necessarily intentionally deceptive. No, but they've, it's like they've given it the minimum amount of effort to create a range, whereas other car manufacturers, as we know in this country, yes. they, they adapt over time of the conditions, how the car's doing, the temperatures, and how you're driving. Exactly, but remember the other car manufacturers probably had a, pro- probably had a team of 10 people working on it for two months. Tesla... It's more likely that someone said, we need to do this, and we need it released in two days, and so this is the result. Yeah, but hey, disruption. According to law, disruptive, 
fail fast, break quickly, whatever else it, people say about these things. A little wonder is far, far simpler and not necessarily as embedded in reality as, as other manufacturers. But yep. also, it's not necessarily intentionally deceptive. The final bit of follow-up, and this is listener feedback. Thank you very much to Tony Wood for writing in to us. Uh, two pieces here. First of all, he gives us uh, some advice on an app. It's a free app called Petrol Prices for Android. And he's been using it for about a year, and it's available in the Google Play Store. And he says that through his usage, he's found it quite reliable and up-to-date. And you can search the current location or a place name, and it gives a list of with the cheapest petrol or fuel in that area first, and you can filter it by fuel type. And it seems to be a bit like Waze wanted to be, which was relying on us to update, us the users to update it and keep it going. Crowdsource, you mean? Yes, crowdsource was the words I was struggling for. Thank you. And he said he's found it really useful. So if you've got an Android phone, maybe give that a go and see how see how that runs for you. There is an Apple one as well called Petrol Prices, UK Fuel Prices. Okay. Uh, but you do need to have a login nowadays, it seems. Right. Um, but his second piece uh, was to discuss the traffic lights changing if you are exceeding the speed limit, which we talked about uh, towards the end of last month. He said that he's experienced these in, in Spain, and he said that they're just brilliant. It's simple. It's, it encourages people to uh, comply. Uh, and it's not done in a way that makes you feel as though you've been coerced. A, a gentle nudge rather than a, a shove and hit with a stick or thrown a carrot. So I uh, really like that. That's, that's good to know. Thank, thanks for writing in, Tony. We do appreciate you um, giving us both those bits of info. And of course, if you want to write in uh, in full BBC announcer voice, if you'd like to write in and share your experiences with the show, uh, you can do so uh, from uh, motoringpodcast.com. There is a feedback form there uh, or via whichever socials you're using. Yeah. The House of Lords, according to this Autocare article, is, uh, is seeking answers to the UK's EV transition plan. Oh, there's a plan. <laughs> well, it's seeking answers to find. I think it's trying to find out if there is one. <laughs> I was about to say, we've been banging on for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks about how there doesn't really seem to be a proper strategy. I mean, SMMT have been banging on for even longer about how there doesn't seem to have been a proper strategy. And now the House of Lords Environment and Climate Change Committee has launched an inquiry into actually how the UK government is going to achieve its plan to decarbonize cars and vans over the next 12 years. In other words, show us what the strategy is and how you're going to implement it. Yeah, I think we'll have to see what comes what comes out of this. We'll keep an eye on it. Yeah, they're asking for us to, uh, or for people to submit evidence, and they have a whole list of questions and areas that they are looking at specifically. There is uh, extra links in the Autocar article for you to click through and read, and also how you can submit your your evidence, your information, your advice to the, the committee for them to be able to uh, review and possibly action on. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting, it, it, at the bottom of this, it talks about a report from Politico that the business secretary, who famously said, my door is always open, and then left the car conference immediately after, Yes, is saying that, or it is reported that she is trying to convince cabinet ministers to relax the incoming zero emission mandate. And that's going to be from next year, 22% of all new vehicles sales to be EVs. 
uh, and then ramps up the proportion annually thereafter. This is what we were talking about with the new car registration mm. figures last week. Um, but they want that to be relaxed uh, to help protect the UK's, quite harsh words here, waning automotive industry. The irony of this is no one in, in the industry is asking for this to happen. Yeah. Well, they need they need some concrete dates and information that they can stick to and plan forward. It's just ridiculous. Well, the challenge is, of course, that politicians plan for the next election cycle and uh, and businesses, particularly businesses with which are capital intensive uh, and require a lot of planning and, and have a long lead time. Like building cars. They need to know what's happening 10, 15 years so that they can they can have their, their product planning uh, and all that sort. And that was mostly happening up until stuff like Dieselgate came along and and that completely smashed all their product planning. And now nobody's really settled down. Everybody keeps moving the goalposts at very short lead times mm. and then, you know, et cetera. And it's just not stable and they need a stable foundation of regulation on which they can, can plan how they're going to meet it. And that, that seems like something we, could, we have been saying on, on many news articles for the last four years, five years or so. If not longer, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, sorry, it's quite a common drum that I beat, and I don't just beat it on this podcast. It's a thing that I lecture on quite a lot. Mm. Well, I'm going to move us on now, and this is to do with some confusion about the DVLA and uh, road tax reminders. Or um, I'm not sure it's confusion, really. Well, there is, because Ian Smith on Mastodon, brought, uh, which was passed on to me, it's brought to my attention, commented that he uh, had not been informed uh, of the that his road tax was was due because the DVLA has switched to a new service. They don't send out post reminders anymore, hmm. so you have to register. And to do this, as is according to his um, his toot. Sorry, it's just the terminology. His post on that particular platform. Yes, according according to the post, he said to register, you'll need to provide personal details, including name, date of birth, address, a valid driving license, or a national insurance number. Then verify your identity using a UK passport. Uh, wow. Okay. What if you don't have a passport? Sorry, I, I don't know. But there must or be a valid it would be de- It'll be um, birth certificate then at that point, I presume. Do you it think so? It's a DVLA, so it could be absolutely equal. no backup at all. Uh, but there is some confusion because if you if you go through uh, the, the thread on this, some people are saying they can still get the post. Some people are saying they can't. Just go and check. If you are relying on postal reminders, go and check and go to DVLA and check that you are still going to be reminded and it's not going to be missed off. So just watch out for that, please. I was and have been waiting for some period of time, actually for a reminder and it looks like I could be caught in this um, which is a pain because it's the only V5 I don't have a picture of mm. it's in my interest to follow up on this one I think yeah but associated with that uh, because of this we also uh, came across the news that DVLA is going to end its contract with the post office so you'll no longer be able to go into the post office to well any of the DVLA services that you would typically use the post office to do they want it to be done online. This is um, this is worse than the parking thing. Mm. This is up there with the railways and removing ticket offices. Yeah, I, I just I can't. 
I find it very difficult to explain and to discuss stuff like this because they are so phenomenally incompetent. Um, and it's a uh, Andrew. Andrew beats on and on and on about short-term decision-making stuff. I mean, the first thing with this story is how the heck we missed it in the first place. Yes. Between the two of us, we read a phenomenal amount of motoring news every week. And we try to pick out the interesting stuff. We try to pick out stuff which may be mainstream. We try to mostly miss off stuff that everybody just knows because it's been flooded across all the media. Unless we feel that there's something we can add to that. This is exactly the kind of story that we pick up that others don't generally, or that might initially. get just a small mention, or that don't pick up initially. Yeah, initially, exactly. But then, funnily enough, two days later after we release the show, it appears more places. I think it's just because we're ahead of the curve, Andrew. Yes. How hard they must have buried this for this to not have been picked up by any of our hundreds of sources yeah. is kind of beyond us. In other, and I don't just mean the negotiating it might end its it, the contract. I mean all of the, I, I mean the moving to the account online and the not sending out the reminders. Mm. This is somebody has tried really hard to not make an announcement about this and to bury yes. it as hard as they bleeding can, mostly because the DVLA is incompetent, and I think that it's been held in parliament and stuff to question its competence so i don't think i'm pushing it too far there and no i mean if you go on social media and and you mention every no, it's not trying to get in touch with them to anyone anyone and it's just uh, and this kind of thing where it's just just trying to become more and more exclusive rather than actually partly spreading out their workload outside of the dvla so you don't get caught in this flipping swansea black hole it's just pathetic. It is just the sign of a really, really badly run organization that's forgotten who its customers are and doesn't actually know how to serve its customers. Mm-hmm. It's shockingly poor on yeah. so many levels. Just bad. And that's me being polite. Yes. It just, it's, it's really awful. Uh, the DVLA continues to show that it has no idea what it's doing. And that it, as I say, it's it's completely forgotten who or what its customers are. Yes, it's it's failing in its service. Oh, and it, it looks like it's actually planning to to fail even further in its in, in its service. Now, I'm not saying the post office is a good organisation, by the way, or well run. It isn't. No, <coughs> Fujitsu. And the way it's treated some postmasters is is appalling. But it needs yeah. as many flipping revenue services as it can. Between the combination of the DVLA and the post office, somehow two wrongs actually make a right and stuff actually works. Yeah. Getting rid of that, getting rid of that public face, especially given the DVLA have pretty much closed all of their regional offices, is, or certainly to the public anyway, is just so appallingly bad. But they'll get away with it because everybody does. And it's, it's just rubbish for people who can't access stuff online. Yeah, so do click on the links in the show notes to have a check uh, and also for further links to um, go and check out whether you are on the new system or not, which Alan will be doing shortly after the show is recorded. I am actually partway through doing it. If I had my passport wasn't out of reach, it would have really been done. <laughs> but yeah, the, these are two two stories that we have come across. And, and thank you to Miller Williams for passing them on to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sorry if I've just butchered your name, by the way, and that goes further to our conversation this morning. 
about the uh, wonderful Welsh language and my inability with it. <laughs> that, by the way, was this week's Ledger Fury story, and for a change, it was me and not Andrew. Yes. So that stuff really annoys me. Oh, no, there, there's, uh, yeah, there, there is no excuse to when you are a public service organisation to not serve the public. Okay, Alan, why don't we move on to a, after after your ledge of fury, why don't we move on to a story that's not going to get anyone cross at all in any way? Car insurance <laughs> keeps on rising. It's the highest level since records have began. Average premium, according to this motoring research story, is 21% higher than a year ago, and that's based on research by ABI, the Association of British Insurers. That's flipping awful. It's very hard to justify. No, I don't know. Some of it can be justified. It, well. Things cost a lot more now. It, well, yes, there is that, but not 21%. Parts cost more, labour costs more. This is another example and another visible effect of the cost of living going up, because mm-hmm. everything is going up and inflation going up. So everything is costing more. Therefore, the, the, the stuff does get knocked on. And I'm not defending this industry, by the way. But I'm just putting that some of this can be explained. I'm not saying 21% can be explained. However, there are things that are beyond understanding. Uh, for example, anyone who listened to the show recently will have known that my car was damaged. Did we actually ever mention it? I don't think I, we did. I think, think we might have. Okay, well, my car was parked outside my house. No one was near it. Another car hit it, unattended. They took full responsibility. Oh, it took a month, just over a month, to get it repaired. And in that time, I had a hire car. I had two hire cars uh, to cover me getting round. And then I saw the breakdown of costs for everything being fixed because it damaged parking sensors and stuff, so it needed to be done properly. And the four and a bit weeks for the hire car was priced at in excess of £13,000. Or half of the MG he had for part of that time. <laughs> I went on the same hire car company that the vehicles provided from and two other local hire car companies, and the most I could make it for the same car was £4,000 for the same time period. Mm-hmm. So if you aren't ripping your own selves off, Maybe you wouldn't be stitching us up with the increase in prices. There is that. Remember as well that the cost of well, we talked about you mentioned cost of repairing stuff, but remember there's thanks to the unique and special way that we all have to have uh, various far more sensors in the fronts of our cars, generally right about where things crash into them. <laughs> it also costs significantly more. It's not just the same old parts cost more. There are some very costly assemblies being placed mm. in quite prone positions on vehicles these days as well, and that's not helping either. And it depends on how the car is designed and engineered, mm. because instead of it being a few parts being swapped out, it is removal and replacement of whole panels or areas and things like that, adding even further. We covered the story about the that Rivian R1T. Yeah, yeah that's, what, that's what was coming to mind. A little, little while ago, where it basically in order to replace the rear wing, you have to remove the interior yes. and the headlining and the rear window, and you know, it, it's, which, is, which is a bit nuts, in order to do it properly. And, and mm. that was an interesting story in Autopia, and they went off, they investigated, and they could actually see that nobody was 
was even doing what that happened in the example Andrew just gave there. Nobody was was fluffing up costs. Nothing. It did actually cost that much because it did actually take that much time. Whenever you understood what had to be done to do the repair in line with what the manufacturer was saying. Yeah. Anyway, I shall stop being angry for a little bit. I am going to take us to France, but only if I put the correct sticker in my window. And this is the news that uh, if you are going to go to France, you need to be aware, if you're taking your vehicle over there, that you need to have emission stickers, particularly if you're going to go into certain cities and areas, because they demand that you are displaying uh, the correct crit air sticker that represents the, and Alan will pronounce it properly in a moment, the um, that represents how much uh, emissions come from your vehicle, and mm-hmm. that tallies to which areas of certain cities you are allowed to take your vehicle into. It's quite bad. So, critère is it, so it's a pun. It also means criteria when you pronounce it like that. So, it's which uh, okay. category of criteria, which is still better than the Swiss one. The Swiss one, according to this REC article, is called the sticker. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a <laughs> it's so bad it's anyway, genuinely it, called the sticker uh, so so yeah there's, there's more than one of these and most of them seem to have appalling puns apart from Spain which just goes for the DGT sticker which is a bit dull come on Spain try harder with your awful puns yes at least somebody's having some fun with all this but in France there you get uh, graded from zero up to six zero is for EVs and hydrogen vehicles they are the cleanest, and it moves up to um, the dirtiest, which is number six. Mm-hmm. And certain cities, such as Paris, uh, will only let zero, one, and two stickers on certain roads. It's an interesting way of trying to tackle this uh-huh. this problem of uh, of dirty air in urban areas. Mm-hmm. Just for interest for France, certainly cost is around uh, around four pounds, five pounds. And once you buy the sticker, once that's you've got the sticker for the life of the car, at least until you change your registration plate, it's not a hefty fee to be able to do this, to know whether or not you can, you can go into these areas. Now, I'm going to say something. I ordered one ages ago for the GRMN, and I never received it. So I don't know if I went to one of the like, scammy websites. I don't think so. You know, I did follow it properly. Or at the time, they just weren't geared. I was ahead of the curve, and they just weren't geared up for sending them abroad, which is equally possible. Or it was round about all the Brexit stuff being introduced. So it could well be that it just got, it was just deemed too difficult to try to import a sticker into the UK at the time, which is quite possible. Yeah, there's a link in the show notes. Yeah, that's where I'm going. To the Twitter thread from the RAC that goes through the full story. Plus they have links to a couple of their articles explaining more about this. That has that is specifically to the official French government website, yeah, which is where you need to get your stickers from. Yes, absolutely. So do be careful with that. By the way, with road trips covering several countries, it's worth saying that just because you've got one for France doesn't mean it's valid for Switzerland and doesn't mean that that's valid for Spain. You may need a small smattering of vignettes and stickers, yes, uh, to cover all of these things. Yep. Let's move away from that and let's go to the courtroom, Alan. This is such a weird one. I mean, we all know that AC as a brand and the word Cobra uh, have been smushed around for years. And also what an AC Cobra or similar looks like has been smushed around for years. Well, it seems that AC cars 
and the uh, London-based luxury car dealer Clive Sutton went to court over trademark infringement, which is a brave move when it comes to AC and when it comes to Cobra. Mm. It turns out that uh, I'm going to read from the uh, AM Online article here. The first claim. Mercedes Holdings, which has the AC Cars brand, famously AC Cobra, had alleged trademark infringement and passing off by Clive Sutton, which has been importing and selling the Shelby Cobra. Not the AC Cobra, the Shelby Cobra. Clive Sutton, with the support of Carroll Shelby Licensing and Super Performance, defended the claim and counterclaimed that the Mercedes owned designs for the shape of the Cobra sports car had been invalidly registered in the UK. Anyway, it went on, I'm sure. Some lawyers made lots and lots of money, but the outcome was everyone can keep on doing what they're doing as long as they don't do anything different. Pretty much, yes. Once again, it is anything around AC, Cobra, even the word Shelby and stuff. I think Shelby's more protected. It's just a real mess because of the way stuff's gone under, re-emerged, gone under, re-emerged, designs bought, etc. Both sides throwing as much mud at each other as possible to end up where they started yeah basically where they started but formally allowed to be where they started i think the formally allowed to be is the important bit yes it is now ah just silly just silly andrew hyundai well i'll take us on now to hyundai who have dell or hyundai mobis how i've got a big deal from volkswagen where they are going to supply a dedicated battery plant for volkswagen's manufacturing hubs in spain This is yet to be started. No shovel has entered the ground yet, but they've got an agreement that they will be providing the batteries it is expected for the MEB entry platform. So this is going to be doing their smaller stuff. So like the ID2, the Cupra, Raval, uh, whatever Skoda's version of that is going to be. Mm. Uh, And that's all going to be starting in 2025. They're going to have to work really quickly to get that battery factory up and running for 2025. As long as they get, well... It's Hyundai, it doesn't, wouldn't, you know, it did that sort of South Korean, let's just, boom. they've probably got a template factory that they can just roll out. Well, I mean, they'll, they'll have most of the own equipment to be able to build the stuff from, but it's getting the permissions and all that sort of stuff, mm. which I presume will be sped up because, you know, in other countries, if it's to add to the local economy, they help. I, I have a funny, I have a funny feeling that, uh, that no assistance will be denied by the local government and possibly even the central government in Spain. Yeah. So this is quite, this is quite a, a big deal because Volkswagen needs the batteries and it's interesting that they've ended up going to another car company, even though it's a different division, mm. but they've going, they're going to another car company to get the, the batteries. But then again, Hyundai's batteries are decent. They are really decent. And in today's market, they're one of the better ones. Remember, just because it's Hyundai doesn't mean it's the car company. It just means it's no, part no, of no, the no, same That's group. what I was saying. Because, yeah, I mean, yeah. Different division, and because they're in, in, they're an industrial giant that happen to have a car, car companies. Yes, exactly. There is a curious thing pointed out in this Electrive article, uh, and that's that Seat has is building is spending three hundred million euros on its own battery plant at, near Barcelona at Martorell. So it's quite possible that all of the, the Mobis built batteries may only be for Pamplona built cars. Mm. I think they started that. Uh, before this as well yes 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 it's already in it, it's it's already i think it's ongoing to be honest hyundai already has production for facilities for battery systems in south korea czech republic uh, and this will be the this will be the third and i'm sure they're about to roll out plants for uh it here in the u.s to uh, yeah, to for are. some of that and also it seems that they've got one plan for indonesia so 
whilst I was semi-joking about, I'm sure we've got a template for the plant, they'll have a template mm. for the plant. Yeah. This is, yeah. that's, they, they know exactly, they'll know exactly what they're doing, exactly what they need to order. And so that can be whipped up in no time. It's not like some of these others where it's their first go at this. Yeah. You know, that they're rolling out something that they already know how to do. Would you like to take us to Bristol now, please? Uh, not particularly, but if I were to be working in Bristol, uh, I might be relatively pleased uh, by the fact that they have decided not to introduce a workplace parking levy. I think we talked about this before. It was something like £8 a day for parking at workplace if you had more than a certain number of, of parking spaces. And uh, they've decided that uh, with high inflation during a national cost of living crisis, now is not the time to create more costs for people, uh, according to the mayor, um, Marvin Rees. Kind of makes us wonder about the point of some of these uh, proposed uh, and near-implemented charges, to be honest. Are they because they really want clean air, because clean air is good, and to do wonders for the environment, or is it because they thought, hey, here's a good opportunity for a new tax, it's been incredibly unpopular, and there might be elections coming up soon, and they maybe want uh, local businesses to support their electoral ambitions. So the motivations behind these are not clear, because no. there seems to be, yes, yes, this is great for the environment, we must do everything for the environment, apart from do this thing which might mean we become unpopular. Yeah, the, there is a lot of that going on right now uh, in our political landscape where you do question because, once again, problems are being kicked down the road for someone else to have to deal with mm. because it's deemed as too painful, too expensive or whatever now that people won't accept it or won't go along with it. Yeah. Uh, and some of the some of the uh, instances, like you know, eight pound a day to park to go to work, is will sting, hmm. particularly if there isn't suitable alternative public transport. Uh, yes. I know some of the buses stuff is good in Bristol, mm -hmm. but the mayor was talking about getting an underground. Now that isn't going to happen overnight, let alone <gasps> happen at all. By the looks of it, over this a article, decade would be good going um, for an underground for for trans uh, on transport extra. You just think, why is no one being honest with us? If we have to make the changes we've been told we need to make, which seems to be the general consensus of scientists across the globe, that unless we do things, stuff will get worse. Okay. So if we go along those lines, why is no politician saying, and this means massive changes to all, your, all our lives? I, I mean, it's obvious why not. It's because businesses are built in a way that would be impacted massively negatively hmm. if, if the changes that some are demanding need or, or suggesting, not demanding, but they are suggesting need to be made for us to combat the climate change and stuff like that, then our whole way of life would be totally changed. And no one is openly coming out and saying that. Um, so I think there is a, a certain amount of need in this whole conversation to be honest with everybody and say, right, that it, it is going to be big changes. It is going to be expensive. It is going to be painful. Or we're not going to bother making the changes at all. This, this half, these half measures just make people cross and are not making enough of an impact. One last story before Guilt Minute. Ford, there is a yes. Wi-Fi vulnerability. 
yes, in our seemingly now weekly cars can be hacked easily, uh, here we have Ford announcing that there is a vulnerability to the Wi-Fi of a vehicle, certain number of vehicles uh, built between 2021 and 2022 that means that naughty people could get access to the infotainment systems. Ford go on to say, it's okay though, because we have a firewall, so you'll be safe. But if you are really worried, disconnect the Wi-Fi functionality in the infotainment settings menu. They make some other statements which are laughably bad that they go on to say uh, there's no evidence that this vulnerability has been exploited, which is good, which would likely require significant expertise and would also include being physically near an individual vehicle. Well, mm, keyless entry thefts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's quite near. But the significant expertise? Oh, come on. Please do better than that. Well, yeah, it's significant expertise until someone packages it up and makes it sellable. Yes. As Ken Tindall points out, in, a, in which will also be linked in the show notes, in a LinkedIn post, a friend of the show, Ken Tindall, talks about, great, there's a firewall, but we've seen that firewalls have vulnerabilities themselves, so if they get in, they can get in. He does also say that Ford should be commended for actually going public with it very quickly and telling people about it. Yep. And they're also saying they're going to be issuing a software patch uh, very soon, uh, which yep. can be downloaded and implemented by owners and users. Uh, hopefully. It'll also be part of the service requirements if cars get back to a dealership so that that can be patched to make sure that that's patched rather than yep. just left because most people don't bother doing that kind of thing. Only nerds like me do that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, that's been quite long. And all this news, we're just not used to this news. I know. Um, but that brings us to Guiltman, the quick break in the show where we ask for a ton of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. If you feel the motoring podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. Uh, we also have a small range of merchandise in our spring store from stickers to mugs and t-shirts, but if we don't have any spare cash, and we do completely understand, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released, and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, and some of you do, so thank you so very much, uh, the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Thank you, everyone that does. Mm-hmm. Uh, new, new car news. Well, maybe yeah, it's going to be a car. I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. Fisker. Blah, blah, blah. Sports car. How many brake horsepower, Alan? Blah, blah, blah. Don't care. Blah, blah, blah. $385,000. Blah, blah, blah. $2,000 deposit. Blah, blah, blah. 999 units. I think I've covered this one. Deliveries commencing in the latter half of 2025, allegedly. Yeah, maybe. Not to 60 in as little as two seconds. Three electric motors generating over a thousand brake horsepower. I don't really give much of a... I, I find, in case you haven't noticed, I find it hard to get enthused by these massive horsepower electric concepts sports cars that may or may not ever see the light of day. I know that Fisker's doing stuff with SUVs and things that should sell. Fisker Ocean and stuff is really smart. But this is just yet another Tesla Roadster vaporware thing. It sure, does when feel I, like vaporware. When I see people driving them and them being properly reviewed, then I will pay more attention and I will actually care right at the minute. I really don't. So let's move no. on to something more interesting. 
Well, we go back to the lunchtime read last week. Mm, yeah, yeah, uh, very true. For this. Uh, and, and also the renders are appalling. 23-inch <laughs> carbon fibre wheels. Well, they've found a way of making carbon fibre wheels. Well done. Anyway, let's go on to uh, new new car being <laughs> delayed news. I just completely trashed that story, didn't I? Never mind. That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, you know, it's all right. I'm with you 100% there. Uh, so new new car delayed news. And this is the Ford Explorer that is being delayed till mid-2024 because of changes to battery regulations. Mm, this, well... I don't feel that passes the sniff test. I have to say. I think this is a tricky one. So remember, this is this is the new Explorer is based on the MEB platform uh, from mm-hmm. Volkswagen. Uh, we've already talked about the MEB platform and batteries in this call. I, I have a funny feeling that there's an association between the two. Well, th- there's several ways it could go, isn't it? Either it's because they can't get the battery and the platform of Volkswagen because Volkswagen can't make enough of them to pass them on to anyone else but themselves. Right. Well, I think we know that that isn't the case, don't we? I think there's been plenty of news recently about Volkswagen and Volkswagen EVs are not, Volkswagen Group EVs are not necessarily rushing off the shelves. Yes. Or there's the possibility that somebody made a whoopsie. Yes, because to not spot regulations are changing, which will... For those of you who don't have to keep up to date with regulations, these are shouted about for years in advance. Mm. There is lots and lots of warning. When this came out, they should have known this was the case. Mm -hmm. I I do think perhaps it is a battery supply issue where the batteries may be available, but they might not be available in the right place yet. Mm. I still think this looks really good, though. I'd quite like to see this in the market, to be honest. I think it's a shame it's been delayed. I hope it's not as delayed as they think it is. I hope it gets sorted out soon because I think it's a, I think it's a good looking, a good looking wee thing, and, and hopefully there's a, there's a good market for it as well. Yep. The other thing is in Europe, you won't be worried that every dark coloured one's a flipping police car. <laughs> Happens over here. Uh, another quick uh, old. New old, old car, car dead, dead news. news. Uh, Audi's removing the hot S4 and S5 diesels from sale in the UK. Uh, these were senior management cars, really. You're a very successful salesman car. Mm. People basically, there's no market for them anymore. Uh, everybody's moving to EVs for that kind of segment. Of course, uh, Audi doesn't necessarily have any EVs in that segment, but that was a different story the other week. BMW have removed their hot diesels. I think Mercedes have dialed back their diesel offerings as well. And so there's no point in trying to com- compete in that market uh, anymore because it, it is a market that just doesn't exist. Um, the company car driver uh, who was choosing these beforehand is now choosing an electric or a plug-in hybrid. Yep. There we go. That's a shame. Mm-hmm. Never mind, huh? Yes. Uh, sorry, I was just double-checking there. Uh, no, the RS4 Avant, the RS5 Coupe, uh, have not been offered with a hot diesel, so that's that's still available in petrol. Points of interest, and I'll start with the lunchtime read, and this is a couple of articles linking to the same story, which is uh, the thing that sort of emerged in the more widely known uh, social medias, uh, or more widely known across social medias this weekend, was a chap in the US's Tesla got written off 
He sold it onto a wrecking yard, who then auctioned off the car, and then the man got uh, notifications from his Tesla app that it was in the Ukraine. Uh, well, it was in the it was it was the insurance sold it off via an auction. I think it was a point that it was in the Ukraine, and they were listening to his Spotify. I think yes. that, that was the second part of it. That just sort of yes. it, not so much just that the card reappeared, but obviously it had reappeared with everything still logged in. Yes. Mm-hmm. And this raises, uh, do, do click both the links in the show notes because it's, it's really interesting uh, to, to see the whole story of this. But it does raise and yet another consumer advice moment from us this week. And we're flooding ourselves this week. Sorry, yeah. everyone. I know we'll go back to silly stuff next week. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> but it does raise the point that you need to wipe your vehicles if you sell them on, or even if you're in a hire car and you connect your phone, make sure that you delete that login. Or press cars. Uh, the Well, yes. Yes. Uh, so the... All sorts of people's phones on some of those. Oh, I know. The, so one of those things, one of the things it does raise is about factory resetting and how, if you've been in an accident, if there's no power to the car, how flipping difficult that is, because that was pretty much part of the problem that, that happened here. Uh, but also that I think that some some makes unless you can actually log into the vehicle, you can't then log out of the vehicle. Yeah, and some of them, uh, like Tesla did, does it requires you to give the information of who you've sold the car onto, which you just. But don't. if it's wrecked and someone else sell like the insurers sell it on, you are not involved in that process at all. So how are you supposed to do that? And that's kind of the issue here because the Autopian went off and they spoke to one of the from one of the importers that imports sort of crashed cars from the US and other companies into places like Ukraine or Poland to to fix them and sell them on, that, that there's nothing they can do about it either. It's not that they're necessarily a dodgy outfit. They're just, there is no way that they can undo some of this stuff. Mm. Tough one. Anyway, list of the week this week, talking about things cancelled. Uh, we've, we've talked about lots of, lots of uh, new old car news type stuff. This week's list from Autocar is axed great cars cancelled at the last moment. Uh, there are many. 53 are slides many. here. Uh, so I think there's room for at least a choice each. Yes. Uh, there are many, many choices. I I was going to go for a silly one and I'm not so sure I'm going to. I am. I am. Okay, I'm going to say the Ford Commuter. <laughs> Ford Commuter was a 1967, essentially a smart EV. Knowing even back then that smaller was what was required in the urban environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, they built two of them in the end, by the way, and one of which is now in the Science Museum in London. But it is minier than a mini. And I think it would be really interesting. I think it would be interesting to see if it made a difference and an impact on how people behaved back then. But we mm. didn't necessarily take long range reliable cars uh, for granted. And just yeah. what would have. Yeah. What, what would have happened. I mean, it could only do 40 miles at 25 miles an hour, but again, would that have been enough? Would that have been enough in, in sort of some of our some of the new towns that were coming along, like uh, like Milton Keynes and stuff? Well, there was that car that James May drove in the last, the latest um, Grand Tour across Europe. Oh, yeah. It yeah. was along those lines, but was a petrol engine. Yeah. It was a tiny little thing with a tiny, tiny power, could only go so fast. Yeah. for that, but that didn't take off either. No, well, they did try and sell that in the US, and the reason it was the size it was was so that you could fit it in and out of shop doors, so it could yeah. be sh- st- sold alongside refrigerators. Andrew, do you have any particular selections from in here? I do. 
uh, the Lancia Fulvia from 2003. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Very pretty. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Hmm. So much nicer than what came out as the, the Lancia Fulvia, which was a rebadged um, Chrysler Sebring or 300C or something. No, no, it wasn't 300C. It was just an ugly one. It was the two. That mm. doesn't narrow it down for Lancia at that time. <laughs> no, not really. Um, but yeah, it was a, basically an American car with Lancia badge on. Really. Mm. Go world. But there are a ton of options for you to go through. And uh, like last week, and thank you to everyone who did get in touch with us to tell us their choices. Mm. Do t- let us know whether you agree with what we've picked or what would you have instead. There, there were loads. I mean, I could quite easily pick 10 or 15 from that. Yeah. Me being me. Yeah. Andrew, modern politeness. We feel it's yes. lacking. How can we improve that? Well, in this modern angry age, Debrettes have stu- stood up to be counted and once again are trying to help us with etiquette, and this time to do with electric vehicles. It's, uh, it is actually useful and is not uh, as silly as I'm making it sound. There, are, so there is sound advice here. Um, from the, You click the link in the show notes. Um, they've worked in conjunction with Vauxhall. I think Vauxhall's commissioned it as a very nice yeah. little piece of publicity piece. It's obviously worked because we're talking about it. Yes, but it, it has been done very well. Oh, it's lovely. It's really nice. Other car manufacturers, please note when you're trying to bring out something. But there are things in there that, if you are new to EVs, might be helpful uh, to take away some of the worry mm-hmm. and concerns around ownership, uh, particularly when it comes to charging. Quick aside, I noticed uh, that GridServe, at busy points, at busy times, uh, they have, uh, they're actually starting to put some employees on hand to help manage the queuing for EV charging stations and to... Uh, to help uh, make life easier for everyone involved, which I think is quite a nice touch as well. Yeah, it takes the the sting out because someone else is dealing with the issue. Yes, well, it's making sure people are sort of queuing correctly and in the right place and not cutting in and and stuff like that. And when there's someone watching how long you're going to be there and that kind of thing, I think it does help with some of the, and encourage some of the good behaviours that are are discussed as, as part of this Debrett's Guide. Yep. It's a good one. It's well worth a little look anyway, even if you don't have an EV. It's, it's well worth yes. a click through. Cracking. I like nice stuff like that. It always makes me happy. Uh, no parish notes this week, as far as I know. No, there is a shake of the head. Uh, so everyone, don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback. Share your thoughts for the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Remember, you can support us financially via Patreon, and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, between now and next time, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Mastodon or Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you and see how the Ledger Fury was for you this week, what's the best way for them to do that personally? I'm still raging. Yeah, like yourself, uh, either Mastodon or Twitter, uh, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-O-I. Uh, As I said, we'll be back very soon. Until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.